And welcome back to Value Adds Value. My name is Kyle Krieger, and this is episode 331, a continuation of our conversation on the word no and how to go about using it. So we are glad to, to join you here with this episode. Um, we just talked a little bit of our experience of how and when to say no and both the benefit of using no as its own standalone sentence but also the benefit of setting boundaries and letting people know why you're setting those particular boundaries. So we hope you love it. We hope you will share it out. We hope you're doing some stuff, taking care of your last minute summer stuff before this year gets started and that um, you're looking forward to a grade school year. So thanks for listening. Uh, be sure to subscribe, like us, follow us on social. And here it is, number 331. Mm -hmm. I, I was going to say something real quick because I want to go back um, to what you were saying about um, I want to go back to what you said about you can explain it, that's your choice but that understanding that no by itself you can put a period there no and, and, and if the next sentence is an explanation to that, great if it's not, okay, it's okay too. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Shonda Rhimes. Um, you know, she had the um, the book, My, The Year of Yes, where for one full year, she said yes to everything. And, and I think that when you learn to say no, it allows you to be able to say yes to more and more that's more meaningful to you. When you learn to say no, because no is not just learning how to say it. I mean, when to say it, it's also learning how to say it. And it's also learning how to accept it. It's learning how to accept it. And so there's just some things that have to take place in order for you to be able to say yes. If I don't have the energy, I can't agree to referee a, a basketball game that's going to have me running up and down the court if I know after I get off work, I have a job that I go to after work that's from 6 to 1, one in the morning, and I know that I get up in the morning at 5 o'clock in order to be at work on time. And You know what I'm saying? Like, if I know that I'm overextending myself, I don't want to run myself into the ground and be no good for anybody. Not myself, not my colleagues, not my students. So sometimes in that no, you have to understand that you have to give yourself an opportunity to take a break. You know, when I first started back on my workout regimen, you know, four weeks ago, the first thing that I wanted to do was start going just all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. And I started realizing I'm beating my muscles down by doing that. Sometimes you need to take a break. Sometimes you need to give your body an opportunity to recover. And, and and understanding, so it can now say, okay, now, whew, stop straining me for right now. Let us, re, let us reconstitute and do what we're going to do. Now let's move forward. And I think that as educators, people think between August and May that life stops for teachers. <laughs> and the only thing that we do is teach. You know, not realizing that in between there, there's so much life that's taking place in conjunction with 
the life that we bring to the classroom, the life that we give to our students in our lessons and our illustrations about life, uh, that, that we have to make sure that on a regular, we're, we're stopping at the filling station and we're filling ourselves up. And those no's frees us up to say yes to those things that are just super duper meaningful and that we're passionate about. Yeah, that made me think too, especially when it comes to, you know, picking you know, clubs to sponsor or committees to be on or sports to coach. Like, those are not all equal. Some clubs, some sports take more energy than others and take more time than others. And a club that I'm not super passionate about or a club that I'm not super interested in takes me way more energy than one that I would really be into. And that takes away that time and our ability to do, you know, the, the things that we're meant to do. And the toughest thing, I think, for me as a teacher, even thinking about, you know, being in social studies, there's an unspoken expectation that if you teach social studies, you will coach. That's even the same up there? Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, and it's it's that point where I think about that part in all of our teaching contracts that says these are your responsibilities plus whatever responsibilities at the discretion of the principal or whatever that little caveat says at the end that any, any additional duties assigned. Uh-huh. And, and there is, this, uh-huh. yeah, I mean, and there's this expectation that we should do all these things and it makes us almost feel like it's bad to just teach, to say, I just want to teach. And, and there's nothing wrong with saying, especially in your first couple of years, like, hey, like that reference to you used when referring to college, like, hey, I just want to get my feet underneath me. Because I can tell you, I can look back at the price I paid my, my first couple of years for running myself into the ground. And it came back and it was less than, it was suboptimal. Um, but using the word no, and, and I think back to the work of Brene Brown when she talks about boundaries and, and that, I think a lot of people, and I know I've been in this point, feel awkward saying no, don't want to let people down, think people won't respect you. But I have learned, and I think we both learned that people respect people with boundaries. So although people may not like it that you say no to them, they will respect you. But what it does, it teaches them, when you set those boundaries up, what you're doing is you're setting up that that layer that you want people to receive from you. This is what I'm willing to give, and I'm not going to budge on this. This is what I'm offering, and I'm not going to budge on that. And I think that like you said, when you say no, it, it it sets up, it puts up those little divots, it puts up those flags to let you know these this is my property. This is the space that I occupy. And within my space, I'm gonna master this space. 
So if you ask me to do something that's within my wheelhouse, you know, my principal uh, texted me one night, like at nine o'clock at night and was like, hey, I need these two songs. I can't find these two songs. I know, I know you DJ, I know you have them. Can you, can you send me these particular two songs to put into a presentation? Absolutely, own it. A couple of minutes later, check your email. You know what I'm saying? Because that's within my wheelhouse. You know, if it was something that would have took me away and said, okay, now I have to go do this, I have to go do that. Have, you know what I'm saying? It's like, if there's something that I can do that's within my realm, I'm going to say yes. But saying no, like you said, it puts those flags up to let people know. And so what happens is they're not going to just keep coming to you with the same thing. And when that happens is now the expectation is this is where this is what I do. So when you're asking me, for example, we talked about this off air, the situation with I'll help you create uh, a sports program, sports in a mule program and help you build it out at, at the school for sixth graders because they can't compete UIL. You know, they can only compete intramural. You know, we can talk about how we design. We can talk about the students, but now let's find people to coach it. Oh, would you be interested in coaching? I, I, I can't, I, I, no, I can't do that. That's gonna pull me away from my music program, which is my passion. It's gonna pull me away from my dissertation, which is my purpose. And it's gonna further pull me away from, from connecting with the community, with the things that I, so I have to say no, because it does not, it does not outweigh these other priorities that are going on and existing at that exact same time. You know what I'm saying? So that I have to say no to that. And, and um, oh, sorry, were you gonna keep going there? No, go ahead. I was just gonna say too, it made me think because we have a note here on accepting the word no. And the one thing I will say that is important for me, I think in the situation is it's not my responsibility for people to accept my no. Like that's on them. Now, if I have a request with somebody and they say no, then it's my responsibility to be like, okay, I accept, you know, this person doesn't have, you know, what for whatever reason. And it could be the dumb, it could be what I think is the dumbest reason ever, or it can be a perfectly legitimate reason that I accept. I have to accept when someone says no to me. But on the flip side, it's not my job to continually explain my no to people because I think the other danger, like you were saying, when it comes to limitations and saying no to people is you will be shocked how quickly the request will escalate and they will take more time and more energy. But also, going back to what you said about accepting no, if we all learn how to accept no, everything will be so much better. And accepting no is thing I, I think is the most important disciplinary trait that a person can can to, can ascertain. Because when you can learn to accept no from other people, then you can understand, you start to understand a little bit about who they are, which deepens your relationship with them. When you learn to accept, um, 
in any situation. I'm training, I, I just got new puppies, you know. Uh, I said one of the things that I wanted to do once I finished my dissertation is get back to the things that I really, really love in life, which is my music and raising and showing uh, competitive American Pit Bull Terriers. Just got two dogs in. Before these dogs knew their name, guess what word they knew? No. No. And I tell you, it has, it resonates when you say it with authority. Because again, when I teach you no, you're trying to get into something, I say, no, you stop. You try to get to something again, I say, no, you stop. But then you start playing and you don't hear no. So you continue to play over here and you don't hear no. You continue to play over here, you don't hear no. But the moment you go back over here to this little worker basket that I don't want you to chew on, as soon as you touch it with your nose, I say, no, and you back off. You smell it and back off on your own. You smell it again, you back off on your own. And when you don't hear no, you understand, oh, say, so it's okay for me to smell the basket, just don't put my teeth on it. Oh, it's okay for me to come and lick your hand and lick your feet, just don't put my teeth on it. So you, I'm setting a parameter for them with just one simple word and teaching them the word around them. This is what shows you where, where you can go and where you can't go. This teaches you what you can do and what you shouldn't do. And as humans and as educators, when we're doing this, we're helping everyone around us understand how to accept our no even and how we accept their no. I can show you how to accept my no by how I accept your no. Man, can you just, nah, man, you know, I really don't have time. Oh, okay, I appreciate it, I appreciate it. You know, had an instance, uh, I'm not gonna say any names this summer, where a teacher, I asked, I said, hey, I don't mean to interrupt y'all, I said, but get ready to set up today. Can you help me move a table? And he said, yeah, I'll be there. I said, you sure? He said, yeah, I can, I'll come help you. I said, okay, when you get done, just come help me. And I waited. I moved everything that I needed to do, did everything I needed to do, didn't show up. So I did it on my own. And so when 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 when, when they came in and I and was like, oh, you know, my bad, you know, I, 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 you know, I was on my way. I didn't know when. I said, it's, it, I told you I needed to do it. You knew I was DJing for, for lunch that started at 1030. You can't show up at 10.30 to help me move something that starts at 10.30. So it would have been, been more advantageous to say, just say no in the beginning than to say yes and then not deliver. Or say yes or and under-deliver. Yeah, and that's, and that's the one thing kind of to wrap this, this up. Too, I love your point of modeling, especially when it comes to our students. So if we get requests from kids, like, and we say no, like, hey, this is this or this is that. And especially with them, like, because when we just say no and we don't explain it to them, it makes us come off as authoritative. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's the one thing that I hate more than anything is when you ask a question of someone or you have a request and you, they say no but see now I'm like contradicting myself because I said that no is a see I'm I'm in a contradictory spot because I was thinking, no because you said no is a sentence by itself yeah but when you're writing a story 
every sentence you have the ability to explain what that what came before it. Yeah. So even as parents, when I parent, if I tell Nevaeh, no, you can't do something, I give her the reasoning why. Yeah. I wasn't that parent to say, don't touch the stove. Don't touch the stove. I said, Nevaeh, you should not touch the stove because it gets hot and it doesn't change color. So you don't know if it's hot or if it's cold. And I don't want you to burn yourself. So when you touch it, sometimes it may be cold, but that one time might be hot. And so you just don't know. And so and during that time I was baking a lot. So I love the fact that she would come in there and she'd go by the walk by the stove and she'd be like, hot, hot. I'm like, and I touch it and I'm like, not hot. And she'd touch it. And she, so in her mind, I have to know when I go in, he's not saying I can't touch the stove, period. He's saying that I should know whether it's cold or hot before, you before touch I touch it. Yeah. And so when we're talking with our students, we're not just saying no. Okay. No, no, no. That's not what we're saying. We're saying that you should give students, because again, you're a teacher. You're a teacher. They're not, they're not equipped. They haven't matured yet to understand the ins and outs. As adults, we should know. Yeah. And they don't. And I'm just thinking about those times and there's been particular people in my life who like actively like push back when you ask questions. Um, and, And that's just frustrating to me. But with my kids, even if you could say, you know, if they're asking a question about a project, hey, can I do this particular thing on a project? Um, if I say no, I want to be like, hey, you know, like this is a good idea, but it doesn't exactly fit with the parameters of what this project actually is. Or no, uh, I I really need you to write in this or whatever it might be. That's good modeling for how to use the word no. That's I, I think, and that's such an important part. But the last thing I wanted to to come to you with is is that phrase you used of of over promising and under delivering, and then it's and then it's opposite because. I think we've both been in trouble in our lives where we've said yes when we should have said no. And then you get in that spot where you overpromise and underdeliver. And that is not good. So can you just explain that phrase a little bit for me? Well, I would read, I'll start here. Underpromise and overdeliver, then to underpromise. I mean, an overpromise and underdeliver. So when you think about it, you tell someone, and this, you know, I, I was watching, uh, I can't remember what it was, um, listening to somebody's podcast, and he said, no, it wasn't even a podcast. I, I remember it. It was a retirement speech for one of our speech pathologists at our at our school. He said, if someone asks me to be here to help them at seven o'clock, I'm going to show up at six because six is better than eight. And when he said that, it made so much sense to me because I would rather you tell me, be here before you. I'd rather give you more than you asked for. You know, when you go to a food truck and you're like, yeah, let me get that. Let me get the uh, taco special out. You don't even know what it is, and and then they give it to you, and they just tell you what it is, 
on top, fajitas and corn tortillas, and you open it up and it's like five tacos. You know, wow, you know, hey, for six bucks, I'll take it. That's over delivering. You know what I'm saying? It's over delivering. I'm not telling you you're gonna get the best food ever, you're gonna get this, this. No, I'm giving you exact, I'm giving you more than what I tell you is gonna be. You know, I, when I started my baking business, I, I made sure that when we sold by the dozen, we gave a baker's dozen because that's what bakers did. That one was for the tester. That's that's for you for buying it for. Them. That's that where that one, that's where that phrase comes from. That's what the baker's dozen is. It's thirteen because you give them that one extra so that they can try it before and not have the other ones be bothered. Because usually when you buy donuts or you're buying cookies or you're buying uh, cupcakes or something like that, it's usually for a group of people. But that one, that baker's dozen, that one extra is for the person who's buying it to have their sample without bothering the others. Wow. So that's, I promise you a dozen. But when you come, I'm going to give you a baker's dozen. I'm going to give you 13. So that one that you can share on your own, now you get to tell the experience about it. Man, y'all really want to try these. Mm-hmm. So, did you hear that too? Uh, no, not really. Okay. I just heard some like those weird spaceship sounds. So, but I mean, and that's the thing with it too. You know me, and this is a problem I have. It makes me think back to the disc pro. You remember when we did the disc profile? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we were reading my description of me and. I don't remember it exactly and I wish I still had it, but it said something to the effect of I have a tendency to over to underestimate the difficulty of something and overestimate my skills. So I have a propensity to put myself in that situation. And I've learned from it. You know, I've learned that I can't just, you know, promise the world to, th- to people that I need to be mindful about what I really can do, not just with my skills, but also with my time. So as someone who has disappointed people by over-promising and under-delivering, you learn the lesson of being able to say like, hey, this is what I think I can do. And you give people the choice to say, oh, okay, like that's cool, Uh, that works for me. Or you give them the choice to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to shop around or I'm going to do this or whatever it it's going to be. Um, but when you say yes to everything, or you especially say yes to things that you know, don't fit you that are not your wheelhouse, you're going to have a really hard time over delivering. And, and I think that's just the important part of saying no. Um, especially in an environment where we've talked about this a lot, where people just expect teachers to over-deliver. No matter how much you've done, the next year, people want you to deliver that much more, and they want you to do more and more and more and more. And I think we should want that from each. We, we should want to over-deliver. Yeah. But we have to set those parameters first to know that when I want you to understand when I'm going above and beyond. I want you to understand that that this is not required of me that I'm doing this because I'm choosing to go above and beyond. But it's also my choice 
to just do what I'm supposed to do. And that's okay. My heart has a function to pump blood through my body to keep my blood flowing so that it can continue to oxygenate and to pick up the things that it needs along the way based on the food that I eat and the water that I drink and move throughout my body. I can't expect my heart to do that and push air through my body. I can't. You know, I watched it happen when, when your body, when one system is interrupted or overexerts itself for too long of a period of time, it starts to overcompensate for other things, which puts more strain on it. And when it starts to shut down, it starts to shut down everything else. Yeah. Because now I'm worn and I'm tired, the other one goes out. So now all the work that I, 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 I was trying, now I have to try that much harder and then the other one goes down. And now since I'm rushing so much here to help this, now this one goes down and pretty soon you're in a total shutdown. So understanding no, how to use it, when to use it, understanding how to accept it, and understanding why you said no in the first place based on your priorities is probably the best gift that a new teacher could take into their school year. And even a second year teacher now, after teaching in pandemic, you know, this is your first year of actual face-to-face -face teaching. You can take this as a huge lesson to say, I, it, it just won't work for me. I love that. And we're going to stop it there. So um, we appreciate everybody listening. You can follow us on the social medias uh, at it's Kyle Krieger at its.will.law.iii on Instagram and Twitter for both of us. We also have a value adds value on Instagram. We're value adds value on YouTube and on Facebook and all the other places Please you can find go us. Go to the YouTube. Go to the YouTube. Yeah, and 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 we're trying to we're trying to build our our followers, yeah, and subscribers on YouTube. Um, we will getting more videos out. I have a couple of them that I'm going to send in yeah. there uh, to drop in there. But again, it's all to help support the movement. Yeah, our goal is to make sure that we sharpen the tools of this next generation of educators to know what to expect when they're going to the classroom, um, and and know how to navigate what they're doing. So help us by simply subscribing, liking, sharing. Perfect. All right, fam. Well, it was great talking with you. Have an excellent week, and we will be back next week. But that's that mentoring experience, and that's what podcasts, and that's what we hope our podcasts become for people, is an opportunity to, to almost like a masterclass situation. Because uh, there are teachers out there who, who are rock starring, uh, who understand what it takes to do what we do. But nobody knows who they are. Nobody's heard their voice. No one's, no one's, you know, there's not a camera in every teacher's room capturing all these moments and, and putting them in a file. And you may have never experienced it, and then you may listen to it on a podcast, and then all of a sudden you experience it, and it's like, oh, I remember them saying, okay, this is how you, okay, got it. And even though it may be like, no, nah, I can't do that, but it gives me an idea, it sparks an idea in my mind of what I can do.